everyone, welcome back to our roundtable discussion. I guess podcast is what we'll, I mean, it's essentially what it is. Sure. Um, this week, we are following up on Jared's excellent sermon on the <laughs> incarnation of Jesus. And this week, we have a special guest. You know him, you love him, your very own Ben Allen. Ben, thanks for being with us this week. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. Ben, you are just finishing up at Ozark Christian College, finishing up your final year. I know that this I is am. a tumultuous season for you. Um, yep. not two only more weeks with... of class. I'm sorry? Uh, two more weeks of class, one week of finals, and I'm done. Golly, nice. man. And that alone is tumultuous, but the fact that in the midst of all of this, we're in a pandemic and you aren't in class physically. Um, how are you doing, man? You holding up all right? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, pretty much every day is wake up. I got some. I've got some Zoom meetings uh, to you know go to for like classes. So like I'm doing a lot of languages right now. So you can't really learn that separate from the kind of the classroom atmosphere. So like for Hebrew, you kind of have to be in a class setting. So we do that. We make it work. Some of these classes certainly aren't like designed for it. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we make it work. I think as best as we can in this particular situation. So right on. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't know Ben, Ben is the son of our very own Jeff Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, went to church here, uh, graduated high school in Clarksville, and uh, has been uh, studying to do full-time ministry and is getting ready to get sent out into the ministry field. And so we are so incredibly proud of him and thankful that he's here to discuss the incarnation of Jesus. Absolutely. So let's hop into it um, without further ado. Um, and let's just start with a basic question. What is the incarnation? What's that <laughs> word mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jared, you kind of preached on it and you touched on it. Um, if you could uh, boil down your sermon to uh, <laughs> one or two sentences, yeah, what would you say? Let's talk about one of the greatest mysteries of uh, Christendom in just a couple of sentences, if we could just boil it down. Yeah, Absolutely. So, the, so of course, the incarnation, uh, we actually get that word from, uh, or that word comes from a Latin word that simply means um, in the flesh. Um, that's, at its essence, that's basically what it's talking about, the incarnation, that um, God, who we know uh, from Scripture is spirit, um, you know, God doesn't have uh, flesh and bones as we do, and yet, um, through the person of Jesus, um, through God's Son, he took on flesh, he took on humanity, he became flesh for us, um, and so that he could do his redemptive work by um, taking our place on the cross, dying our death for us, and then ultimately uh, resurrecting again so that we can have hope of new life. So, I mean, that's basic. That's that's what incarnation means. It sounds like kind of a big fancy word. It just means that God, who wasn't flesh, he became flesh. He took on flesh for um, for us. So, um, that's that's basically uh, what it means. Of course, that brings up a lot of questions, and we'll go through uh, some of that here. But how does that how does that work? How does that how does that happen? Why is that necessary? Um, but ultimately, that's uh, that's what the incarnation is: is that God became a living uh, being, a, a, a I should say, a, a human being. God is a living being, but God became a human flesh uh, uh, for for us. And so, that's basically what incarnation means. Yeah, I think you summed it up well. It was more than a couple sentences, but. Uh... <laughs> But, uh, no, it was do. two sentences. I just put a lot of commas in there. That's true. That's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Uh, conjunctions. <laughs> so Ben, obviously it's a it's a heavy topic. Why do you think why do you think it becomes so confusing for us um, as people? Uh, I think. Well, I think like in its premise, it defies like a lot of what we understand about like Western logic. Uh, also, some like our idea of like certain spiritualism, but like to the idea of like one hundred percent God and one hundred percent man. 
Uh, like, do you think anything else has been pretty much discredited as a heresy? And so, <laughs> like, but I mean, now you have a 200% person. It's kind of like how one could look at it. Or, uh, but the 50%, 50%, uh, like 50% God, 50% man kind of thing makes more sense, like, in our general idea of, like, rationality, logic. Uh, but that doesn't, full, like you said in your sermon, like, it doesn't fully capture the extent of Christ's divinity or his humanity. As a, he, uh, so it, it, I think it just flies in the face of basically all, like, enlightenment thought, like mathematics. Like, it kind of is just a uh, logic-defying premise that we accept as true. I don't know. We live in a community um, that sees a lot of people come in and out in Clarksville, um, especially sure. because it's a military community. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the thoughts I had listening to your sermon was, um, you know, if somebody just blows into town for a couple years and, and maybe jumps into, you know, into here at the church, we, we more than welcome them. But mm-hmm. they don't feel like they are like like they don't feel like they are like an older, more set in, more like like. Part of this community, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. like we we want them to make Gateway their home, but it, mm-hmm. they they don't feel like they're like, like the the core group of us until like you know a, a few years down there. Like I've only been here a couple of years, yeah. and I'm just now feeling like you know yeah. I'm settling in and that and <laughs> and and the reality is is that like if you're like if you got one foot in you know some other place that you want to be at some other place that's not home, and 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 some other place and and then here, it, this this can't be your home. You mm-hmm. can't you can't be you know, half in, half out. Yeah. And so if Jesus wasn't like fully God, like you said, but he wasn't fully here, like he was just 50% God and he was like off somewhere else still, like right. like half one foot in this world, one foot in, in heaven. Just kind of a then, transient. Then, then, then he, this isn't his home. Yeah. And if this isn't his home, then God's not back with us. We're still separated from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the powers of sin haven't been defeated. Mm-hmm. But if God's presence has been restored through Jesus and now through the Holy Spirit, then, then God has made this his home once again. Mm, yeah, and so good. it's vitally important that Jesus is fully man, but it's also vitally important that he's fully God because God has to be here yeah. you know, with us. Yeah, you know, another reason I think that this is kind of confusing um, is, uh, I mean, there's a, a handful of reasons. One, as you pointed out, Ben, you know, this is, it kind of defies all sense of uh, human logic. It, you know, how can something be fully this and fully that if they... Um, don't seem to be fully compatible, uh, you know. I mean, I can talk about myself in the sense of, uh, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and those two things don't, uh, by any means, rule one. You know, they're not mutually exclusive. One doesn't rule out the other, um, and yet, uh, for something to be God, to be infinite, you know, in every way, has no beginning, has no end, uh, uh, and yet to be human uh, to be, which by very definition, part of our nature is to be finite. We are creatures. We are not the, uh, we are not mm-hmm. the creator. We are created. And so uh, it seems like uh, those two things are a contradiction. Um, and in other ways, they, they kind of would be to say it is without limits and yet it has limits. So, yeah. so uh, like you said, you know, by, by our rules of logic, that, that, kind of defies all sense of logic. It's beyond, uh, you know, our understanding. Another reason I think why this is so 
confusing, and this goes back to a couple of weeks ago, you know, Ben, in your uh, in your message on the Trinity, and we talked about this in our discussion as well, um, is that, uh, you know, you don't see the, the term, you know, incarnation as such, or, or, you know, another way to define this, as theologians and scholars talk about, is that, you know, the doctrine of the hypostatic union. You know, you don't find Big those word. words, uh, you're right, you don't find those words anywhere in Scripture. Much like, mm-hmm. much like the Trinity, you, you know, you don't read along and it says, well, the Trinity, God and his, you know, triune nature, um, well, the same thing. Um, we don't see those words uh, explicitly stated in Scripture, um, though it is, uh, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's kind of their supporting, it, it's, it's what they, um, it's the knowledge that they were working off of. And so even though they never said those words, that premise is very much there in Scripture. But it makes it confusing because we don't have a really, really, clear, articulated explanation of what incarnation means in Scripture as such, um, uh, and yet it's one of our most, you know, important doctrines, and so, uh, and so yeah, it's confusing because it's, um, it's not clearly defined necessarily, um, and it's beyond our logical understanding, and so, uh, and so it makes it difficult for us as humans to kind of grasp a hold of or, or mentally, uh, you know, cling to. So, yeah. One of the things that uh, I encountered in my time at all three of our alma maters uh, at Ozark mm-hmm. was when I got in as a freshman, there was kind of this divide between people who, you know, when, when, when they're talking about um, deep theological topics, one side is like, well, I'm the Bible nerd and I'm really into it. But then you have the, the majority of people who are like, well, I'm just here to love people. And how does this, you know, how is this important? And so the, I think it's important to, to pause and ask, why is it even important to have a correct understanding of the incarnation? Mm. Yeah. And uh, if I could like, if I could just hit, you know, TS off on this. Yeah, go um, for it. You know, I, my mind immediately goes to Philippians chapter two, um, where Paul's talking to the Philippian church and he insists that in your same relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so the reality is that, you know, God, you, you mentioned he was infinite, mm. becoming finite, becoming us, is one of the clearest depictions of God's love, that he would become like us so that we might be with him forever. Yes. Uh, and, and so if, if, if underst- at the very least, understanding that this is a depiction that God is love and loves you, right. th- th- that in and of itself, I think, is important enough to make an attempt at understanding this. Yeah. Absolutely. What would you say, Ben, to, uh, to a freshman at Ozark that's like, well, what's the point? What? Just let me go love on a student, you know? Well, I think so. I think there's a common like misunderstanding or mis- uh, just false idea about humanity in general. Like when you hear this like idea of like, I'm only human. Uh, so as if that's an excuse for our mistakes, our sins, which to some, to some degree makes sense. You know, I understand how sin works because I sin, uh, my flesh, you know, I, I'm susceptible to, to sin as being fleshy, fleshly. But at the same time, I think Jesus incarnation is also representative of like how God intended. Like, so Jesus as this new Adam is he's kind of, Paul depicts him as this like new Adam in scripture. So he basically does what. Adam did, but better without this, without sinning. He, he's clarifying who God designed us to be. Mm-hmm. So like sin is not inherent to humanity. 
uh, sin is a byproduct of a fall. And so, yeah, it's, it's probably an inherent, it is an inherent part of your life, but not inherently because you're human. Uh, it's, it's, it's not because, like computer doesn't work because it's a computer. The computer doesn't work because it has a virus. So like, um, so I think Jesus is him being flesh, like, but also divine at the same time can tell us that we have the opportunity to become pure, to become right, to become corrected. Uh, and he makes that, he makes that possible. Uh, so he, he reveals not only just who God is, but he also reveals who we are and who we're meant to be uh, with God. Uh, not, not to say that we become God, but that, that God redeems us, transforms us. We're still created. We're still a creature. Uh, but we are the, like, you know, the, that image of God made in the image of him, a representative of the divine. So, yeah, I, that's really good. I think um, you pointed out something that I didn't even intend to talk about today, but I think is important. Um, you know, some, so many people are like, they look at the life of Jesus and they say, I can't live up to that. Mm. You know, there's no way I can live like that. Yeah. And it, it, the reality is, is if Jesus is truly fully human, if he became completely like us, then you have the opportunity by the Holy Spirit making you new to actually live like Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never, you know, you'll be perfect and never sin again. Sure. I, I, don't, I think the Bible's pretty clear that we're kind of waiting for Jesus to return to make us completely new. And we are, like you mentioned, Ben, living in the flesh. Yeah. But Jesus, everything that Jesus did, apart from perhaps um, like these you know, crazy, insane, the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 and the raising of the dead and things like that, the kind of God things that he did, the, the life that he lived and the love that he had for people is available for us to live out and, 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 and live uh, and, and love on people um, because Jesus was like us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not yeah. his, his humanity isn't some humanity that's far different than ours. He became mm-hmm. like us in every way. Yeah. Which I think is, is vitally important. Yeah. And, you know. Well, that touches a little bit on what we talked about last week in the resurrection is the fact that Jesus didn't just die for our sins. But I, I think you mentioned this in our conversation. But um, in the resurrection through that, we have this new life in Christ. We're not in our old life anymore, but um, we are empowered through the Holy Spirit to um, not just not just throw our sins on the cross of Christ, and yet we do that for mm-hmm. sure, um, but mm-hmm. we also take up Jesus's new life and live by the power of the Spirit. And so, uh, so yeah, I, that, we touched on that, but yeah, all of this is, all of this is connected uh, here. You know, the other thing um, that I just, you guys both kind of talking about, um, and again, this isn't where we intended to go, but um, is kind of this idea, I think, sometimes uh, that people believe falsely uh, that uh, what we, what Jesus did then is uh, simply or only a model for us to, uh, to do. Um, I think, yeah. Ben, you kind of, uh, well, <laughs> I say Ben Allen. I don't know if I need to, yes, to like, hit talking to me or are you talking to him? I'm in a really interesting position here. Uh, uh, ben Allen, you, you know, you brought this up. Just talking a about Ben sandwich. Jesus, <laughs> or an Oreo. I don't know if I'm, I'm the filling in the middle here. Uh, but, you know, we look at Jesus as just our example, and he is that for sure, and yet Jesus isn't only that. You know, Jesus' incarnation or Jesus' uh, death on the cross is Jesus came to do something that we very much could not do, and that is to, uh, to save ourselves um, and because of sin, because of this, you know, virus, if you will, if you want to talk about it in those terms. Um, you know, Jesus coming to, uh, you know, 
incarnately in the flesh um, wasn't just as a uh, you know kind of a moral model or a here I live this way and so it's an example for you um, but Jesus came to do something that we could not do for ourselves which is why his incarnation was necessary um, because uh, we needed a mediator to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves um, and so there is both the uh, you know our lives need to mirror and model Jesus's and yet there is this um, there are certain things that we simply have to trust in Jesus to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves um, and so anyway which is which is why it's uh, necessary for Jesus to come and take on flesh um, because we couldn't do uh, what he has done for us that's good that makes sense that's good mm-hmm. well, I, I I kind of pulled the the big kahuna out already but um, just in, in regards to where people can kind of study this for themselves in the scriptures can you guys think of any scriptures off the top of your head? I talked about Philippians too, which is kind of a catch-all, but um, sure. any scriptures off the top of your heads that kind of speak to this, this, uh, this theology? Lots. Yeah, uh, I did a little bit of research yesterday, just like I, I liked most of what you pulled out in uh, in, the, in your sermon yesterday, Jared. A lot of that's some very like clear stuff on both his humanity and his divinity. I think uh, understanding Jesus's like. Um, labeling himself as the son of man is probably one of the most like telling uh, aspects of his divinity. Mm. Uh, so like a lot of people would read that and think specifically like, you know, one like, or I'm coming with the son of man or whatever, that, saying that that would point to him being entirely human, but that's actually a divine claim. Yeah. Uh, when you look, he's referencing Daniel seven and in Daniel seven, Daniel has a vision of one, like the son of man. And he approaches uh, the ancient of days and he, and he's like sitting next, like he's presented to him and he is offered his kingdom. Uh, and so uh, that specifically in like this one, like the son of man is like enthroned next to the ancient of days, offered the kingdom. He is the king of this uh, new kingdom. And then Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So when Jesus calls himself the son of man, he's like, but also like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm divine. Like, <laughs> like it, this is not like a small thing for me to make that kind of claim. Uh, <laughs> and kind so, of a big deal here. Yeah, kind of a big deal. So <laughs> Um, so that was a big one that, that I found yesterday was like just understanding Daniel's vision and then also how Jesus, like, he, like Jesus doesn't come out right and say like, I am God, you know, there's not like a, a text that like specifically says that, but then you look at his like, I am statements in scripture. Yeah. You know, you talked about that yesterday in John and you look at I, like one, like the son of man, I am the son of man. Um, like there's, he's not hiding it. You know, like he's really not that secretive about it. He just makes people mad and they want to stone him and kill him all the time. <laughs> so he's not, he's not like a, he's not like keeping it to himself. Um, and the idea of like interpreting scripture or interpreting the gospels without thinking Jesus knows us about himself, I think it does an injustice to what Jesus actually does yeah. think and what Jesus yeah, does know. You know, and, and as a side note, I think coming back to the question of like, why is this so confusing? Uh, some of the terms that Jesus uses are terms that we aren't familiar with in our culture. Right. So for Jesus to say, like before Abraham was, I am, or for him to say, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life or to use these I am statements in a Jewish culture would very much be telling of of his claim for divinity. Mm-hmm. Like they would just automatically their mind would immediately go there. But because we aren't engulfed in and in, 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 uh, inundated with that culture, that 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 becomes harder for us to understand, which is why I think when studying scripture as another side note, um, taking a stab at at perhaps understanding the history and the and the culture and the and the reality that it was written oh, yeah. into is so vital in understanding absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. yeah um, 
Jared, do you have any scriptures to share? Sure. Uh, yeah. And of course, there's a lot of, uh, there are so many, because um, like we said, this is one of those things where um, even though, you know, incarnation or, or, or hypostatic union, that's not specifically said in scripture. It's, it's, backing all of the statements that are uh, that are made in scripture that's their understanding that they're working with so um so uh, of course uh, hebrews uh, instantly comes to mind mm-hmm. for me um there are a couple yes. of huge things that are uh, happening there are reasons that um, it's written for i think mark scott mentioned that last week um as far as the uh, you know the resurrection and, and atonement specifically um but uh, you know, in Hebrews, I I, uh, I used Hebrews two um, in the message uh, on Sunday, uh, referring to uh, in well, I'll just read it right here. Um, but in uh, chapter or chapter two, starting in verse, uh, we'll start with uh, seventeen, I guess. So it says, "For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human." in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God uh, and so on. And so, uh, you know, Hebrews is talking about Jesus's full humanity, but you can't divorce that from the rest of the context of Hebrews. Um, especially uh, at the beginning of Hebrews, you know, it, it opens up with, uh, in verse 3, it says, The Son, talking about Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of Hebrews, it opens with Jesus's divinity his you know this is the exact representation of God. this jesus is god um, and then he continues on to explain jesus's humanity um, and it's because of that backdrop jesus's dual nature of being both fully god and both fully man that he is able to be that mediator that yeah. he's able to play that uh, to atone for us and to uh, uh, effectually um, bring us salvation um, and a bridge so, if you will yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's another one. Uh, that's another one I go to. Hebrews, uh, of course, is thick with uh, Jesus's um, atonement and his role as mediator, offering that sacrifice for us. So that's one of the passages that I go to. So that's good. Yeah. Whoa. So uh, here's 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 the question. We've talked about why it's important, and we've talked about scriptures mm-hmm. uh, in regards to why it is important. If it's so important, what's the danger of missing it? And what's the what's the danger of getting of getting this wrong? Yeah, um, and 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 I think that this is another thing that we're separated from because we have you know a rich two thousand year history of the church of getting this right and kind of at least in in in, in the in the teaching you know mm-hmm. the, hey this is this is what it actually is but but early on in the church this was a hotly debated topic yeah and uh, and there's actually the, the you know there's heresies like um, Arianism mm-hmm. uh, where Arius uh, had a had a heresy about the incarnation of Jesus and the mm. the, the ancient uh, rumor was that saint nicholas uh struck him in the face and so a lot of people <laughs> will say the danger of getting this wrong is that santa claus will come and punch you in the face <laughs> that's a that, that changes every little kid's christmas from here on yes, out so. exactly so um i don't think that that's true by the way i think that that's an urban legend. i hope so um, <laughs> so what, hope it is. <laughs> what's the danger of getting this wrong then yeah uh, ben what do you what do you think what, what do you what would you say the biggest danger is uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, another uh, heresy that was pretty common, like early on in the church, was like this idea of Gnosticism, mm-hmm. which was like that the flesh is uh, like inherently evil. Uh, so then that means that God in his perfect holiness could not present himself truly in the flesh. So that his coming was actually a uh, mystery like this mysterious like appearing but it wasn't it wasn't physical it was like a spiritual understanding that was uh i'm assuming like 
maybe just for our ability to understand. He looked human so that we had a comprehension of what God looked like, but he wasn't actually flesh. Um, Similar to Arianism, that was quickly shut down. Like (laughs) that did not last much like, but, uh, but then there's also like on this other end of like, if he's, so he couldn't be human. uh, But if he isn't human, then he's also like not incarnate. So, so if he's like not incarnate, if he's not present with us, then God is like not, interested in in his in intimacy with with creation and so then we have this deist perspective which i think is actually like a lot more common even today pretty uh pretty modern thought i think that uh god would be just 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 disinterested in in incarnating in being so i think you just have a very poor picture of god's character and his nature if jesus was not uh was not human and divine like i think that um yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it, I think it's pretty much for one. It, he does work that uh, we can't do. Like he, he he atones for sins, but he also tells. But the incarnation itself is revealing of God's intent, His love for creation, uh, His desire for men, for poor man and woman to like uh, be united with Him in eternity. So like, I think it's just an absolute necessity to understanding God's character is to understand the incarnation. You know, you, you brought up, uh, you know, Gnosticism, and of course there's, uh, you know, several different uh, forms of what that's that true looks too. like. That's yeah, you know, very broad. Take that, in, yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a blanket uh, statement covering a lot of different things. But ultimately, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, in essence, flesh, bad, spirit, good. Uh, and so a lot of people kind of running that direction with it. And actually, uh, it, you know, that was really, really early on in the Christian church. Um, you know, that idea kind of, actually Gnosticism itself kind of almost predated Christianity, and then yeah. you have Gnosticism, kind of that uh, philosophy or that mindset um, trying to um, pervade, uh, not pervade, but trying to work itself into the church. Actually, that's why we have, uh, you know, scriptures like First John writing to this church um, largely mm-hmm. to uh, knock down that exact heresy. You know, he opens up in First John, which is talking about, uh, you know, it says that which we uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, looked at, and our hands have touched. Uh, this we proclaim. Um, you know, he's uh, and throughout that, he's very much saying, you know, hey, this Jesus, uh, you know, he's not just this, uh, you know you know, divine hallucinate, you know, uh, or, or mm-hmm. uh, whatever you want to call it. Just an a, appearing, a, a, an appearing yeah. vision. We have touched him with our hands. We have felt him. We, you know, he is a real physical being. Um, and yeah. that is um, core to our faith. In fact, it's in First uh, John and Second John as well, where he's later going to go uh, on and say, uh, you know, anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, that's the Antichrist. Um, you know, uh, know, Antichrist, that word actually isn't found in Revelation where we, you know, we often think it is. That comes from 1 John and 2 John, um, where Mm -hmm. uh, he's saying, hey, people who deny that Jesus came or that Jesus came in the flesh, that is the Antichrist. This is is so central, so core to uh, our beliefs because of uh, Jesus's role as mediator for us. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of like, uh, sorry, I, I, I think a lot of like doubting Thomas Mm-hmm. It's like if I, if I see him, if I, if I touch his wounds, you know, then then maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, so I think he's expressing tangibility of his flesh. Like he he has a body, but then his response to like touching his wounds, holding his hand, he says, "My Lord and my God." So like, right. I don't know, how, I don't know how you think anything less than this is a divine, uh, like the God Man. You know, like he has to be God and man. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for me, um, just to bring this home a little bit. Um, 
one of the books that I love in the Bible um, is the book of Acts. And there is this particular uh, part I, of the book I of love Acts. them all, Ben. I said one of. <laughs> That's one, true. One of the books that I do particularly love is the book of Acts because it is a book of action. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this particular moment in Paul's missionary journey when he comes to the city of Athens. And he's looking around, uh, and he's going to this place called the Areopagus, and he's looking around at like all of these um, idols, these gods that they have, and these gods that they sacrifice to all the time to try and appease, and try and just like to try and connect with, because they are fear, they are fearful of this god who is, you know, in this this place that's so far off and so distant to them, and and wants to harm them and wants to hurt them, and 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 Paul in preaching about Jesus, he says this in Acts 17, 27. God did this, talking about Jesus, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one mm-hmm. of us. And and so Paul, I, I think his insistence in the incarnation is that the incarnation is that God's not far away. Mm. He sent his spirit to live in us even now. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. incarnation of Jesus is that he came to us and that mm-hmm. he's here. Yeah. And so many of us, um, just pastorally, so many of us feel like in seasons like this or in seasons where we lose loved ones or in seasons where we're dealing with immense amounts of grief, that God is like somewhere else. Like, where is God? How, how can he let all of this happen? Where is he in the midst of this? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's on a cross. You know, he, he's, he's become flesh and he's yeah. died mm-hmm. to save us from this, this darkness that we're in. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to, and, and Mark touched on this last week, the already not yet idea, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like he, he became one of us to save us for a future that is going to be great, and yet he rose again for a present that is good now. But the reality is, is that the incarnation in my mind, pastorally, is just that he, he's not far away. He's here. Yeah. And, and he's, mm-hmm. he's here for us. Yeah. I think that's, uh, man, that's such a great point. Um, uh, and that actually reminds me of kind of the flip side of it, which we read in Hebrews, because, you know, Jesus and his role as mediator, um, because uh, Christ came near to us, uh, we then are able to draw near to God. In Hebrews, yeah. you know, it talks about how um, because we have this mediator, we can uh, draw, uh, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. So, because, you know, because previously, you know, our sin separated us in such this, you know, huge, deep, unfathomable, you know, distant chasm that we are so far from God because of sin has separated us that there is no hope. You know, we have no hope. Um, and yet, it is because God came near to us through the person of Jesus, yeah. um, through that incarnation, um, that we then are able to draw near to God. Um, and so it's, uh, it's such, so I love what you said there. That's, uh, that's huge. That's, that's great. That's great. So, and that begs the question, or at least begins to answer the question, um, how do we respond to the incarnation? Mm. Is this just some theological thought that's way out there that has no bearing on how we live now, or how does it change how we how we live and how we interact and and and, and do life in this world? You sure. know. Sure. Yeah. Ben, what do you think? Uh, yeah. So yeah, give me these questions. So I just read a few thoughts. The first one I, that I did put was like I think it affords a lot of opportunity to relax, um, mm. uh, specifically in the understanding of like. Um, or maybe it's just a chance to like even look and just question uh, 
if it defies our understanding of logic, if it defies our understanding of like just basic reason, even. Um, but we but we accept it's true in the sense that, or we we accept that it's true, and so then as a response, uh, I think it allows us a chance to relax and just glorify the magnitude of God. Mm-hmm. Um, that even in His inf- infinitude, His is in, His infinite being, He He makes Himself finite, and it's not that He uh, and it's not that He is like separate. He's He's not a deistic God. He, he's He's one who like dwells among us. He walks with us. The Emmanuel. Um, so he doesn't just like empathize, but he also sympathizes. So he's he's experienced our suffering. He's experienced death. Um, like God's act is a pastoral act. So I think it, it offers so much opportunity to rest and find peace. Even even like right now in this particular uh, season, this particular situation, if you are like riddled with anxiety, if you're riddled with like just concern about your health or the health of loved ones, or even just like the world's uh, state right now, that there's peace because God is literally been put in a position of death and he understands it uh and he's gone through it and he's risen on the other side and he offers that opportunity for us too so i, I think like the act of the incarnation itself is just inherently pastoral uh it's inherently comforting and so i think there's a lot there yeah that's good and one of the other things I, and I jotted this down as uh, we we're talking about this really at the at the very beginning, um, you know, Ben, you talked about uh, kind of this dual side of, you know, people who are like, well, you know, I want to study the scriptures and I want to get all these, you know, deep theology. And then there's the people who are just like, eh, I just want to I just want to love people. Um, you know, and really this goes back to, you know, we talked about this a little bit in our very first conversation a couple of weeks ago, is why does theology even matter? Well, our, you know, our theology uh, and our actions can't be separated from one another. They're intrinsically uh, linked uh, together. You know, we, we act, uh, we behave, we, uh, we do our actions based off of what we believe. And so, you know, for me, when the first, per- uh, the first thing that comes through my head when you know, I, I hear a statement like that, uh, I just want to love people, I, I immediately follow up with the question, well, well, what does that look like? What do you mean you just want to love people? Uh, especially in our time, you know, in our day and age, there, uh, that word has almost been thrown out so much, you know, um, that we almost don't even know what love looks like or what does love mean. Um, you know, I, you know, I love my wife. I love tacos. Okay. Well, there's gotta be some, <laughs> surely there's some difference here God, between man, the two. I'm so <laughs> I do like tacos. That's true. <laughs> uh, but, but the point is, um, you know, to say, well, what does it look like actually to love people? Is that just be nice to them? Does that just right. mean make them happy or, or, you know, what does that, uh, what does that actually look like? Um, and, uh, the first thing that I think here is, um, is, what a better picture of love than the fact that we who have sinned against God, we who have offended God Almighty by our sins, by our turning against him, by in essence, by our putting ourselves on the throne. Um, and yet, even though we have uh, offended God, we have sinned against God, um, yet God went through such great lengths. Um, and, you know, the only way to do that, we talk about the necessity of Jesus being uh, uh, both fully God and fully man in order to be our mediator, the only possible way, the only possible hope that we have of salvation is that God himself uh, would condescend, would, would, would descend and take on flesh and be fully God and fully man in order to save us, even though God doesn't need us, God is fully self-sufficient, um, God doesn't need us, 
Um, and we have offended him. We are the guilty party. And yet um, the fact that God would do the absolute impossible, um, or at least impossible, uh, you know, as, as we see it, um, God would do the absolute impossible that he would come and take on flesh and ultimately um, go to the cross and, uh, uh, and allow that flesh to be crucified and then take, you know, and then raise up to new life again. Um, that is how we, you know, that's what, what love is, um, that we would go and we would love people, even though they don't deserve it, you know, we don't deserve it, but even though people don't deserve it or whatever, that's the ultimate picture of love is Jesus in the flesh. And so, uh, you know, that question, uh, you know, I'm just here to love people. Well, what does that look like? Uh, you know, I think this is the best picture of what love looks like that we have is Jesus incarnate in the flesh. So. I think, um, and I go back to Philippians, uh, too, just cause I love it, mm-hmm. but I think it demands of us humility. You know, mm. I think the way that we respond is that God himself, the creator God of the universe to it, who has done nothing wrong ever, who is perfectly holy, decided that he would humble himself and take on flesh. And, and so there really is no excuse in, in any capacity for us to say, you know, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to do this because it's beneath me or I'm not going to I'm not going to spend time doing this because I don't got time to do it or or, you know, whatever that um, that actually there is um, there is a God who has emptied himself and taking on taken on the form of a servant become like us. And so there is nothing that is beneath mm. us like we, we and this goes into loving people, yeah. but I think it goes beyond what we traditionally understand loving people to be. That it's actually loving people even when and even even when it's an inconvenience for us, and especially when it's an inconvenience mm-hmm. for yes. us. That that the incarnation is that we will humble ourselves and do whatever it takes to love on those who need to be loved. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, that kind of I guess in a lot of ways concludes our conversation. Uh, yeah. Ben, we are so <laughs> grateful that you could be here with us. And hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you it. You did a phenomenal job helping us unpack it. And we uh, love and appreciate your perspective. Yeah. We love and appreciate you. We're praying for you as you... Love and appreciate you too. <laughs> uh, oh, thanks, man. Uh, we're praying for you as uh, as you um, enter into this new stage of life. And uh, keep us All updated right. and uh, let us know how we can uh, continue to pray. Will do. I think I'll probably be back in town pretty soon. So I'll see you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, I think then I'm going to uh, shelter in place at home. And uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, this week, um, look forward to, um, I have the great opportunity to preach on yes. the uh, theology of the word yes. and uh, talk right. about the word of God. Um, the first half of the sermon is going to look pretty familiar. You guys are, if you ever took a Sunday school class, you're like, yeah, 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 I get it. The second half, I think it's a different perspective. And so I'm excited to uh, talk about it. Um, and then obviously tune in uh, next week for mm-hmm. our roundtable discussion on the word with uh, another very special guest. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Jared. And you are. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been another roundtable discussion. Thanks for joining us. We love you guys. Thank you. <laughs>